this issue and, and race does come into play. This is Let Your Voice Be Heard right here on WHCR 90.3 FM, the voice of Harlem. Must be that whip that I order and a new grip my daughter. You know, a bad, bad, gonna spoil her cow when a new Good morning and welcome to Let Your Voice Be Heard right here on WHCR 90.3 FM, The Voice of Harlem. I don't know. When Cardi says ding dong, it's so obnoxious and like loud but ignorant. And I don't know. I love it. That's like my favorite part of the press song. Um, Good morning, guys. Happy Sunday. Of course, this is the show where we talk politics, social issues, social justice, and pop culture. And we do that every Sunday Right here on WATR 90.3 FM, the voice of Harlem. Again, my name is Selena Hill. Super happy to be here. Stanley Fritz is actually doing um, a missionary retreat in Costa Rica. Um, they baptized one of the men on the trip oh. in the Hennessy River. <laughs> this is on Instagram. If you follow Stanley's Instagram, you saw that one of his friends were baptized in the Hennessy River last night to re- for his commitment to being a faithful black king. Um, yep. Seriously, that's what the caption said. Mm-hmm. You saw it, right? Yes, I did. I did see it. So um, what else were they doing on this trip <laughs> in Costa Rica? I don't know. I saw... A lot of praying. Yeah. So is this really a mission trip? No. They like really pissed <laughs> off one of Stanley's friends. There's like a whole thread going on on Stanley's thing now about how this is inappropriate and it's making fun of Christianity and how baptism is like one of the most important parts of being a Christian and like to mock it is not cool. And like then people are going back and forth. I mean, Stanley can't even post a vacation photo without no. there being some kind of debate on his page apparently. M- mocking it? What are you talking about? This He said they're having a hot boy summer and yes. hot boy summer stands for honesty, prayer and gratitude. They are real. Okay. He he's having a city boy summer. He was like going through like where they're staying, and I was like, "Oh, you're IG honey now, like cut it out, Stanley." But he's living his best life in Costa Rica. He really is. <laughs> um, but enough about Stanley because he's not here. Mm-hmm. Alyssa's back after hey, a few weeks. I'm back to talk about the 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 mar- the, the cannabis. Yeah. Um, <laughs> revise how we speak about that, which we'll talk about later. But anyways, I am Alyssa Fuchs. I am your legal and uh, political correspondent uh, today, mostly legal correspondent to talk about the state of marijuana laws. Um, I do think that we should start calling it cannabis, but I'll get into more on that later on during the segment. Um, and you can find me on Facebook at facebook.com slash Alyssa Fuchs. That's I-L-Y-S-S-A-F-U-C-H-S or on Twitter at Alyssa Fuchs or on Instagram, Alyssa.Fuchs, you know, because I got to keep it mixed up. Um, <laughs> and of course, you know, if you like what I have to say or I should say what we all have to say, then you should, of course, go to patreon.com um, and slash be heard radio and give us some of your money so that we can spend it on uh, cannabis no i'm kidding (laughs) 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 that's not what we use those donations for guys uh correction clarity um tiffany you've also taken a little break from us where have you been hiding have you been having a hot girl summer yes i am actively having a hot girl summer i know they're saying the hot girls are down but we are not down we're going to the chip so (laughs) yes I'm grateful to be back. Yes, it has been a while since I've been on the show, but thanks for having me. What's new? What Besides is Besides your braids. Oh, yes. It's gorgeous. <laughs> Thank you. What's new? I'm just, you know, working. Um, I have a podcast, Protest Bays, Shameless Plug. <laughs> Check us out. And, you know, I'm getting ready to go on vacation for about a month, so I'm looking mm, forward to that. Where are you going? I will be staying in New York mostly. I'm, like, pretty much like a staycation, trying to save money, but... 
all the meetups and movements that are happening in the New York area, I'm down. So let me know. Nice. <laughs> a staycation right here in New York City. Um, hey, I'm down for that as well. Hopefully you post it. And I don't know if it's going to top Stanley's missionary trip. I but don't, I don't think so. <laughs> nothing tops that. I, and I don't want the Christians coming for me. That's <laughs> right. No, I'm Christian. I think it's hilarious. I literally saw it. I was in a car last night and I got out the car and ran around. Because of how um, ecstatic it made me <laughs> just seeing all of those posts. Nonetheless, guys, again, this is Let Your Voice Be Heard. Of course, you guys should let your voices be heard on our Facebook Live. Talk to us there. Talk to us on Instagram Live. Thank you so much for everyone who is waving. I, it is out of my reach, so I cannot wave back as of now. But I do see all the waves, and I do see the people watching. Thank you. appreciate it. We have a great show lined up. We're going to be talking about everything from Jeff Epstein to R. Kelly. <laughs> R. Kelly. We know how much you love to talk about R. Kelly. To the ice raids, yeah. to ASAP Rocky, and then we're going to have a longer discussion on cannabis. So, I mean, Alyssa, what are you most excited about? Cannabis. <laughs> no surprise there. Um, if you can brief us for a second. Um, I mean, look, you know, cannabis has been illegal in this country since really the 19, during the Nixon administration when it was added to the Controlled Substances Act. Um, but it's been demonized since at least the 1930s. Most of that had to do with the fact that um, William Randolph Hearst, who was a paper manufacturer, did not want hemp to be legal because he didn't, he knew that they could make high quality paper out of hemp and that allowing hemp to be legal would cut into his bottom line. So he lobbied Congress to be able to um, put a tax on it. And in 1937, Congress passed the Marijuana Tax Stamp Act, which essentially said in order to have marijuana or hemp, you needed a tax stamp. But in order to get the tax stamp, you needed to already have the product. Uh, so it created a large catch 22. And then after that, we had like reefer madness. Marijuana became demonized. Part of that had a racial component to it um, because scary brown people, you know, and all that. Um, I say that facetiously, of course. And now here we are today in 2019, where we're literally still debating whether or not this plant um, that harms nobody should be legal. So I'm super excited to get more into that and, um, you know, to talk about all the news stories. And, of course, I'm really happy to be back on the show after a short two-week hiatus. Seems like three, Alyssa. No, it's, it's been two. Um, and then I'm here this week and gone the next again. But, um, you know, the time that I get to spend on the show now is even more important to me because it's a little less, but that still means that you get a lot packed into uh, when I am here. Right. A lot comes in Alyssa's little package. <laughs> it's even Appreciate hard to call that. her little. Um, yeah, guys, thank you so much for tuning in. Good morning, Emanuela. Appreciate you. Good morning, Claudia. Thank you so much for tuning in. We do have to take a quick break, but when we come back, we're going to be talking about everything that Alyssa just briefed us on. Again, this is Let Your Voice Be Heard. Hercules on him. My name is Batty Batty. I keep it tight for Zaddy. He keep it coming, coming. He ain't even dropped the Addy. Trunk in the front, front. I need a blunt, blunt. I own my own Moscato. We getting drunk. And we are back. This is Let Your Voice Be Heard right here on WHCR 90.3 FM. Again, my name is Selena Hill, filling in for Stanley Fritz because he is in Costa Rica on a missionary trip where him and his black kings are becoming more faithful, more honest, and being baptized in rivers of Hennessy. This is all true. This is all facts. Check his Instagram page. All right, so... News Roundup. This is where we talk about the news stories that made us really upset over the last week or somehow made us laugh, cry, whatever emotion. And I want to start with these ICE raids because apparently ICE is cracking down on thousands of migrants starting today. We know that I think... um. In 2018, they averaged about 3,000 migrants uh, a week. 
And now over this weekend, I think the, the goal is to, to crack down on like 2,000 migrants. And most of the migrants that they're cracking down are not people who committed uh, any criminal activity or, or acts. Um, they're, they're families who migrated very recently here because they're escaping uh, poverty and, and, and dr- uh, drug-ridden communities uh, and, and just really um, devastating uh, circumstances. So this, that's the reason why they came here. But, you know, Trump wants to fulfill his promise to send millions of immigrants back to wherever. Um, And, you know, it's really disheartening. There were a lot of protests happening here in New York City, Chicago, L.A. Everyone is standing up because immigrants are welcomed here. But um, it's scary for them. You know, I think some of them are even like trying to carry around passports and I.D. Um, Guys, what are you thinking about these ice raids that start today? I mean, it it should come at no surprise as the fact that Donald Trump says he's going to do something, then says he's not going to do something, then says he's going to to do something um, because that's what Donald Trump does. But as to the actual raids itself, uh, um, it's disgusting. And the reason why it's disgusting is that the people that he's talking about, for the most part, are people here seeking asylum. And seeking asylum is 100% legal. One of the ways you seek asylum, or the only way you can seek asylum, is if you're on U.S. soil. And it does not matter whether you entered without inspection, meaning that you crossed the border illegally, or not. That's not a grounds that determines asylum. So Donald Trump's constantly talking about this quote unquote asylum loophole, as he calls it. But it's not a loophole. It's it's our laws. It's how our it's actually how our immigration laws are written. And it's in compliance with international law with respect to asylum seekers. So it's really kind of disheartening to hear our own president not be able to fully talk about the law in the right way. And to think that this is some kind of loophole or game that people are playing when, in fact, it is no loophole nor a game. Now, as for people that are actually Portable, meaning people who have deportation orders, that's a little tricky and a little more difficult because even when you look at that, you look at the Obama administration and the fact that they went after removing people who had already been ordered removed. But we then have to ask ourselves how many people right here now are people that were order removed by the Trump administration that aren't actually removable or actually have grounds to let them stay in the United States. And that's what makes this even more concerning. On top of the fact, it's literally creating fear throughout immigrant communities all over the country. Mm-hmm. I'll also add that there were reports that um, ICE agents were seen in Harlem, right where we are recording, <laughs> um, on like 125th Street in that general area. Um, some people have already been reporting that ICE agents were coming to their homes in New York City and they did not have warrants. And I will additionally say that I was reading this article in New York Times and this woman from Florida that voted for Trump. And she was born um, in Canada, but both of her um American citizens. And she went to go renew her license. She had like a hard time trying to renew her license because they were trying to say that she wasn't a citizen. And then Trump administration, we keep hearing these sort of stories of people who are actively citizens or got their citizenship. And now they have to jump through hoops. There was a guy in Philadelphia that was spent like three weeks in jail. So when you hear about these ICE roundups, everyone's assuming that they're, you know, they're getting the right people that should not be, quote unquote, in this country, you know, get out of our country. But they're actively, you know, rounding up people who are, you know, American citizens and have their so it's like to you could just show that this see that this whole entire system is not working and for you know for them to do these raids in 10 major cities it's questionable and it's scary especially when we know that they're locking up people who are actively citizens yeah and i just want to add to that it's, it's not just spanish-speaking people right. they're locking up right. people from the caribbean yep. from africa they're locking up anyone who happens to be an immigrant or a migrant mm-hmm. yeah and just to give you a little bit more before we move on to the next story if immigration agents show up at your door 
um, don't open the door, be calm, you have rights. Uh, if they ask to enter, then you ask them if they have a warrant that's been signed by a judge. If they say they do, then ask to see it. Um, an ICE warrant or an administrative warrant does not allow them to enter your home uh, without your consent. If they do not have a warrant that's signed by a judge, you may refuse to let them in. And if they force their way in, do not resist. Tell everyone in the residence to remain silent. You have the right to remain silent. Um, and if you are arrested, do remain silent. Do ask for an attorney. Do not sign anything mm-hmm. until you have a chance to speak to your lawyer. That is the best course of action you can do if ICE shows up to your home. Well, speaking of locking up people, there's been a huge controversy over ASAP Rocky, who Mm. is a rapper from, again, right here in Harlem. Uh, He was locked up in Sweden. He got into some type of confrontation. And, you know, a lot of us are usually here, especially when black men are targeted, you know, all about Black Lives Matter and making sure that... Our pe- we're protecting our people by speaking up the best that we can. The thing is, the conditions that ASAP Rocky is reportedly undergoing are really inhumane and severe. I heard he's in solitary confinement. He's not being fed properly, and it's just a horrible circumstance. But then you have other people who are like, you know what? ASAP, you know, he made s- some really disheartening comments back in 2015 when he said, you know, he was asked about Mike Brown, and he said very flatly, I don't I can't relate to him. I'm not here for Black Lives Matter. I live in Soho and Beverly Hills. All I want to talk about is drugs, girls, blah, blah, blah. I don't want to talk about Black Lives Matter. And now, you know, where do we stand? So, Tiffany, I want to throw that at you as someone <laughs> in the activist movement. Are you back in ASAP? Have you, have you forgiven him? Um. So my beef with ASAP even started long before he made those questionable and problematic uh, Black Lives Matters comments. It was when he said dark skinned women shouldn't wear red lipstick. And just seeing the type of women that he surrounds himself in Soho and Beverly Hills, you know, the jiggy dude from Harlem, you know, doesn't give. I feel like he doesn't care enough or thinks that he is above you know, the everyday, um, I would say, life when it comes to, like, black people in law enforcement, I still can show some compassion. I think the issue that people are having with ASAP and especially with his past comments is the lack of compassion. Whether he was in Soho or Beverly Hills and he couldn't necessarily identify with Mike Brown per se, I'm sure he had friends. I'm sure he had his own interactions. For him to be so dismissive of the situation, I think that was, you know, disheartening to a lot of people in the black community. I will also note that he is not in inhumane conditions. <laughs> they show the, well, I don't you know, the photo of him and they kind of look like he was like in a college-like dormitory. So though it's unfortunate that he got locked up in Sweden, I think no one from wants to get locked up overseas. I do think for me, I would just hope that he, he's doing some real self-reflection while he's there and understand that he has a huge platform and words matter. <laughs> Absolutely, absolutely. You know, two things that come to mind uh, thinking about the story is one, if you look at the conditions that he's locked up in in Sweden, um, then you see that there is a humane way to actually have a, mm-hmm. a prison system if you're going to have a prison system. And of course, we don't have time to get into today about the efficacy of whether or not we should lock people up generally. But if you look to Europe, um, when you look to prisons, they're built in ways that are a lot more like dormitories so mm-hmm. that people can become rehabilitated in the ways that jails and prisons here are built to be very punitive. 
um, with bars and cells and stuff like that. I mean, that's an entirely different conversation we don't have time to get into today, but yeah. an interesting one at that. Yeah, um, before we move on, I do want to just mention that he, he said that just because he's black and he's famous, he should not have to, in his opinion, feel like he's an activist. I'm very curious if he still has those same thoughts now and if he is asking for that same compassion that he did not have mm-hmm. when someone lost their life. So I just mm-hmm. wanted to add that. I mean, the second part of that that I was going to say, which is that, you know, he could say, I don't want to be an activist. I live in Soho. I live in Beverly Hills. I don't feel like I relate to these people. You're a black man in America. Put aside his arrest in Sweden. Um, at any time, people ask me, like, when can the cops arrest you? Because I'm a civil rights lawyer and a criminal defense lawyer. The cops can arrest you anytime for any reason or no reason whatsoever. So just because you're rich and you're famous doesn't mean you're immune. Like, for all he knows, he could be driving down the street one day, going to a tour, and he could get pulled over and get shot by the police. So, you know, oh, yeah. I mean, like, even if you read the Tanahashi Coates book, he talks about a friend of his who is a Harvard educated professor who is a black man who went who taught at Harvard who was killed in a police shooting in Massachusetts mm-hmm. so like you are not exempt from that and it shouldn't take a white girl to have to explain that to him you know his mm-hmm. proximity to whiteness does not mm-hmm. eliminate the fact that he's a black man we got a really good comment from Claudia Laurent who uh, says I know he's well aware that he is a black man but this is the reminder and wake-up call that he needed to further needed to further remind him that he is a black man in America and it doesn't matter where you live or how rich you are. Any chance they get to take you down, they will. I agree fullheartedly, Claudia. And guys, if you want to chime into this conversation, remember, leave your comments on our Facebook Live, facebook.com slash let your voice be heard. And you can also leave comments on Instagram Live. Yeah, I mean, look, they arrested Jeffrey Epstein, a white guy. And then, of course, they had to go out and arrest R. Kelly, too. You know, that's how it works. <laughs> and to your point, you know, if, if you're a black man in America, they're going to come find a way to... No, I'm kidding. I mean... Yeah, wasn't <laughs> R. Kelly walking his dog when they arrested him? They were like, oh, we got this big, rich, white, sexy offender so we got to go arrest that other black sex offender too <laughs> allegedly yeah and we're going to talk about that but R. Kelly, didn't r kelly's <laughs> girlfriends get ki- kicked out of trump tower uh, i didn't hear I about didn't hear that. that oh yeah yeah so there's a news report uh saying that r kelly's girlfriends kicked out of trump tower in chicago after the singer's arrest so we know that he was arrested while walking his little poochie and um, <laughs> it's going down for the for the hostage victims i don't know what they call themselves but this r kelly saga continues to go on uh, and, you know, and the interesting thing is I'm going to I'd like to see how and in two different two different jurisdictions, New York versus Chicago. But I'd like to see how this ends up playing out in terms of the way in which R. Kelly is treated by the criminal justice system based on this previous arrest versus the way in which Jeffrey Epstein is being treated. I mean, one of the big things that's come Jeffrey Epstein, for those of you who don't know, or is like a very rich, wealthy um, guy who's been involved in a lot of different business enterprises. He's like friends with Donald Trump. Of, co- of course, like many other things, Donald Trump's like, I don't know if Jeffrey I've seen who right. I, I, I don't know that guy um, that's not one of my friends that's that's Bill Clinton's friend right. um, but you know I, Jeffrey Epstein there's been some reports that for the past couple of years he like failed to check in after his first conviction where he was uh, you know a convicted sex offender and yet there's been no consequences for him failing to check in meanwhile if I represent any clients that are on parole or probation that are black men and they fail to check in once or they show up for you know you know past curfew by three and a half minutes because 
the you know the the spot that they were getting food at was taking a little too long to make their food or whatever like they're gonna get violated so like there's a there's a racial justice aspect of it you know with respect to the way white people are treated rich white people and and the way black people are treated which we know but it's going to be interesting to look at the Epstein case juxtaposed against the new R. Kelly arrest and see if R. Kelly is kind of given the same types of privileges that Jeffrey Epstein might get because he's rich um, and then you're going to be able to break down at least in this instance whether what's really at play is race or class and that's going to be interesting as it Mm -hmm. plays out. Tiffany, what are your thoughts on Jeffrey Epstein? Um, So I was really like reading a lot of the information on Jeffrey Epstein and like it goes back to like back to like the 80s and it's like and we talk about like R. Kelly and Jeffrey Epstein. It's like these men are able to like hide in plain sight. And there was this New York Times article, and uh, the writer was talking about how like he went into a room, and people always felt like this is an ex-con that's actively trying to like rehabilitate himself. But we are welcome him, welcoming him because one, he has money. He did all sorts of donations to like Harvard and different high schools. But like it was like this aura that was around him that everyone knew that it was like this is not a good dude, and he had cover because he had you know, money. But I'm like, the fact that he was like messing with like underage girls, but you know, essentially stealing their innocence and everyone was okay. Like literally people around like a Jeffrey Epstein or R. Kelly, they're just as complicit because they were bringing over younger girls. I think when the R. Kelly case, they just recently found like 20 or so sex tapes, like that his assistants turned in on his behalf. So I think it's sick that we have like these very rich, powerful men, but we also have to acknowledge that they like, you know, they don't get to this point where they can fail to check in or just have these girls coming in and out of their homes without other people being accomplices to their crimes. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, A great point there, Tiffany. We do have to go on another break, but when we come back, we're talking about why Congress needs to puff, puff, pass on marijuana legislation and reform. And you know what? This might be the year that it happens either now or 2020 this is let your voice be heard no limit to the money, money. No. i picked the gang up took a flight across the country, across the country. i took the wages told to keep the ones coming hit the store to get some back and we are back. This is Let Your Voice Be Heard right here on WHCR 90.3 FM, the voice of Harlem. Shout out to all of those listening to us in podcast land on iHeartRadio, Spotify, iTunes, SoundCloud. We appreciate you guys so much for listening to the feedback of our shows and sharing it on social media. And, of course, you can tag at Be Heard Radio on Twitter and Instagram. That's actually Be Heard underscore radio so without further ado last week the house judiciary subcommittee on crime terrorism and homeland security held what is being called an historic hearing on racial justice and marijuana reform during this congressional hearing which was the first to specifically address how to approach cannabis legalization Experts testified about how the enforcement of prohibition has disproportionately affected black and brown communities. I mean, something that we all knew, but finally Congress is like having a hearing about it. They also cited the economic benefits of the cannabis industry, as well as its lack of diversity, and called for the complete removal of cannabis from the Controlled Substances Act, which makes cannabis illegal under federal law. Although there was broad agreement about the need for reform, the hearing highlighted differences over strategy and rhetoric. For instance, a key part of this conversation at the hearing was about the States Act, which would amend the Controlled Substances Act to exempt state legal marijuana activity from federal enforcement actions. However, 
it would provide, although it would provide protections for marijuana consumers and businesses in legal states, it falls short of actually tackling racial uh, equality issues. Uh, Meanwhile, under the Safe Banking Act, cannabis would remain an illegal drug at the federal level, but it would create it would offer a clear path to banks that serve cannabis businesses in compliance with state law. So the hearing itself, in my opinion, it's reflective of the progress that marijuana reform has had in our country in the last few years and especially in 2019. So far, 26 states have legalized or decriminalized marijuana and 68 percent of registered voters said they support marijuana, according to a 2018 Center for American Progress survey. To date, it's like 11 states plus the District of, of, of Columbia that have legalized marijuana for adult recreational use. I mean, that's progress. So I wanted to have this conversation because there's a lot going on. I know like every single Democratic candidate in the primary is also advocating for uh, reform in cannabis and in this area as well, something that we didn't hear that much of in 2016. So again, the progress is here. Um, Alyssa, what has been... What was your reaction to this hearing and what's the chances that we'll get a fall on the books when it comes to cannabis? So, look, my reaction to the hearing is that it's good that Congress is finally having a hearing to address this pressing and important issue and to also outline the fact that this is not just an economic issue, but that it is also at its core a racial justice issue. In that sense, this is a positive development. But as for the actual legislation that's being talked about itself, um, less than impressed. Um, you know, the, the States Act, as you pointed out, um, is a bill that would amend the Controlled Substances Act, but it would not actually deschedule marijuana from being a Schedule One drug under federal law. Instead, it would just say that if you were legally um, growing or possessing or using marijuana in a state or a territory or a tribal area where it was legal, then you would be exempted from federal law. Now, number one, there's an issue about how that would actually work um, and whether or not that, that legally Congress could do that or whether there would be some kind of issue uh, where there'd be a lawsuit saying that kind of action would be on constitutional. There's issues as to whether or not marijuana would be able to be transported across state lines. Um, There's an issue as to um, exactly what effect it would have, given that for the most part, the federal government has not been enforcing federal marijuana laws in states where it's legal, um, dating back to the Cole Memorandum, which has since been rescinded, um, but still we're seeing lack of enforcement. Um, And and also, um, as you pointed out before, the racial justice aspect that they, you know, talked about during this hearing is absolutely not included in the act at all. In fact, that is contained in a completely separate act, which is called the Marijuana Justice Act, which was reintroduced this year by... um Barbara Lee and Cory Booker, um, but again, is not part of this act. So it's sort of an interesting thing. It's like um, a hearing in search of a remedy for a problem that exists, but proposal that doesn't actually remedy the problem. And in that sense, it's disheartening. Uh, Tiffany, what are your thoughts on what's going on in Congress on a national level when it comes to cannabis? Um, For one, I think it's hilarious that we're now calling it cannabis because I was in a car with my mom recently and she was telling me a story and she like calls it reefer. She's also (laughs) from the South and she's like 60 plus years old. So I think that's hilarious. But when I first heard about the, um, excuse me, like the hearing and then I was doing my own like research, I was like, oh, this is pretty much just legislation to cover banks and yep. the and industry corporations. and corporation. Like this is just a, a hearing for that. And, and they're, we're using like, you know, progressive left talking points to bu- get people to buy in, to, bu- 
so it's almost like a mass that we're you know going to be dealing with you know black and brown people and their arrest rates when it comes to marijuana but we're not like Alyssa said we're not touching that at all so granted I think you know I, I guess it's a win for the industry and the corporation because apparently there's billions and billions of dollars that are unable to go into the banks because you know the banks do not want to do business with the cannabis industry but for me I feel like when we are we're going to be talking about criminal justice reform and marijuana justice reform um, we have to lead with that and not think about how the industry could be, you know, regulated into a way for the government to keep tabs on it, but show that we are, you know, trying to right the wrongs when it comes to mass incarceration, especially around, you know, drugs and things like marijuana and, you know, other drugs and, and how the system impacts us. Yeah, no, to your point, it was Marilyn Mosby, Mosby who was at that hearing, and she said uh, specifically uh, she won't support this bill, mm-hmm. and a lot of people right. aren't because we need to invest in those individuals and communities that have been disproportionately impacted. And for her and a lot of us, that's front of mind. That's the reason why we're even pushing for this. But, I mean, you know, I get your point. It's to protect businesses, and it's to protect banking. I mean, it's still progress. That's the only thing Republicans would probably sign. Should we not back this bill? I mean, look, you know, whether or not we should not back it, I would still back a bill that takes us a step in the right direction for sure. But I mean, the fact is, if you look at the people who even testified at the hearing, it was two doctors, um, which, you know, anybody that's ever smoked marijuana could probably speak on the fact that it is a safe, for the most part, drug. Um, So we didn't need two doctors to tell us that. In fact, I'm sure there was people at that hearing, congressional uh, members that have smoked marijuana in their life that didn't need a doctor to tell them that. There was Marilyn Mosby, who was opposing the bill because it didn't go far enough on racial justice, which I would agree with. And then the last person was from the Marijuana Trade Council. Well, you know, think think about what that means. Trade Council. Um, this is an economic thing. And, you know, Tiffany already said it, and you sort of touched on it, but at the end of the day, this is to protect corporations. It's not to help black people because the federal government is not arresting black people for possessing marijuana at the state level for the most part, unless you are trafficking a large amount of marijuana. Yeah. Um, the, the people who are arresting black people at the state level um, for marijuana are the states themselves in states where it's not legal. So changing federal law is not going to reduce mass incarceration at the state level when most people are being prosecuted under state law. Now, if you really want to talk about something that would have that kind of effect, then yeah, look at Cory Booker's Marijuana Justice Act. Look at the way it says that we should completely deschedule uh, cannabis from a schedule one, that the there should be um, investments in black and brown communities that should be right. equity. Yeah. That's the kind of thing that we need. So yeah, you know, no, no, no. I, I completely agree. You touched on a few different points there. Um, you know, and I want to definitely uh, talk about what's happening on the state level. Um, but before we do that, you know, Tiffany, if this bill was to pass and Donald Trump, you know, pass it into law, would you? I just want to know, would you back it or would you still be against it and um, against him? I'm always going to be against Donald Trump, even okay. if he does a good thing. Um, a broken clock is right twice a day. <laughs> um, um, and I think we should we need to stop applauding Donald Trump and white people and white us for doing like the bare minimum when it comes to righting the wrongs when it comes to like black and brown people. Like you said, if if this is a bill that's going to help, you know, the industry, that's good for them. <laughs> but I am in the business of black and brown people. So and like um, Mosley, I'm with her. I, you can't I can't support a bill, especially if we have all the data and numbers that show how much mass incarceration around marijuana has impacted lives and generations. 
So. Yeah, but I mean, you're saying that, but black and brown folks are actually investing in cannabis. Uh, and then not just the people like Jay-Z. Like Jay-Z, he mm-hmm. just invested in a cannabis company that came out last week. But, you know, there are people who are getting into it. They're building dispensaries mm-hmm. and they're making those investments. So, I mean, it can economically empower our communities if we know, have the education and the know-how on what to do with our money. Look, you're not... You want to go first? I went to a cannabis, um, it was like a cannabis like workshop, maybe I would say like early like last year. And the number of black and brown people in the cannabis industry is very, oh, yes. very, very, very small. <laughs> so, yes, it's great that Jay-Z is getting involved, but Jay-Z just was announced that he's the first black hip-hop billionaire. I don't have Jay-Z money. And it would be very hard for you and I to get into the cannabis industry. Like, we would literally have to pull all our money, some of Alyssa's money, <laughs> the intern's money. <laughs> like, it would be very hard for us to get into the industry. So, again, is this bill is not going to even impact the large amount of folks that are black and brown that we even want to invest and get involved in this industry. Like I would be interested in getting involved in this industry, especially when it comes to like, you know, women and like marijuana and how like that could just be so uncomfortable for women. And I feel like I would want to create a business that can make it safer and easier for us, but it would be hard for me to get involved in this industry. Right. I mean, look to your point, the, the people who are the less, the, the hardest barriers to access in this industry, number one are people of color for two main reasons. One having to do with um, class issues, right? Mm-hmm. and the way that class and race intersect each other. And number two, because of prior criminal records, mm-hmm. um, because of the way the war on drugs has played out. Um, but once you put aside race and class, um, the second least likely people to be able to get into this industry are women across the board. And so if you look at that together, who's the less least likely person to be able to break into this industry um, because of race, class, and gender? It's a black woman, right? So as you point out, you and Selena would have the hardest time getting involved in this industry. And even me as a white queer woman, I would have a very difficult time breaking into this industry and then you're talking about displacing people who have been selling marijuana illegally for years you know people talk about that that legalization actually has this one drawback think about some of your friends that live in low-income neighborhoods that supplement their income by selling a little bit of marijuana even if they're not a big drug dealer they just they buy a little bit of marijuana to smoke themselves they sell a little bit of it to their friends they make some supplemental income that helps them to pay their rent once marijuana becomes legal in many of the states um, they're going to go out of business too and then if you're like oh well why don't you sell it legally and then there's all these bars to entry and yet this bill is helping mostly rich white men so yeah yeah, uh, yeah and definitely i would say you know rich white people definitely but you know i want to get back to the states because there's different legislation uh being proposed across the board for in new jersey for instance they are offering one of the most liberal plans they would actually expunge all past offenders convicted of possessing up to five pounds of marijuana and give them a clean state slate. So, you know, so this is point. If you have different, you know, have someone who may have been convicted of possessing marijuana and now it becomes legal. We need to make sure that their records are being clean so that they can invest and get into an industry that they already know. They know how to do it uh, and they know how to work it in New York, uh, for instance. There was uh, also a legislation. It did not pass, uh, but we have expanded the decriminalization of the drug. So what progress are we seeing on the state levels when it comes to criminal justice reform? And what do we need to continue to push? I mean, look, I think we're seeing a good amount of progress at the state levels when it comes to legalization. You have 11 states, as you pointed out earlier, where it's recreational legal in 33 states. um, It is legal in some way, even if only for medical. Sixty two percent of Americans 
Republicans support legalization. Um, actually, some of the people who don't support legalization are people who are in favor of marijuana laws, but they think it should be decriminalized and that um, it shouldn't be taxed and regulated because it creates a situation where you can have huge corporate handouts. That is a small group of people that think that we should just decriminalize across the board, but that it should not be le- sold and regulated and taxed. And, um, you know, that that's an interesting perspective that um, unfortunately, I don't think we have the time to get into. So I do think the states are making some progress. Um, but again, to go back to the point we were just making, the people that are seeing the most benefits from that are generally upper class white people. And so they're, you know, when there are states moving forward with legalization, um, they really need to be making sure that their bills have a racial justice component. The reason why marijuana legalization failed in New Jersey last year is because black lawmakers were like, this is not a good bill. Um, the reason, one of the reasons why marijuana legalization failed here in New York is because they ran out of time. But mm-hmm. a big part of that was they were trying to figure out a way to do this that would prioritizing making sure that there was equity in handing out licenses to black and brown mm-hmm. business owners and making sure there was subsidies um, to equal the playing field. So those are all things we need to be taken into account. We also make sure that we don't overtax it and overregulate it. If it's overtaxed or overregulated at the state level, then people are just going to go back to buying it off the black market, which is going to defeat the purpose of the legalization to begin with. So, you know, there's a lot of issues that need to be worked out. And one of the big things that states can be doing, even if they're not going full legalization right now, is just full decriminalization. Even with the piece of legislation that was just passed in New York, it did not get rid of what we call the marijuana loophole, which is in New York right now. If you can possess up to two ounces of marijuana on your person and it's just a violation, meaning it's a ticket. But if you have a single joint and it's lit and you're smoking it out on the corner of 125th Street and Lenox, that is a a misdemeanor. That's actually a crime that you can be arrested for. Even the legislation that just passed in New York did not go as far as to say we're going to close this loophole. Um, So there's so many more things that the states can be doing to Mm -hmm. to fix this issue. Absolutely. Um, uh, Tiffany, I want to give you uh, a few seconds to give some words in before we go on a quick break. Um, I would definitely, I totally agree with everything that Alyssa just says. And I would wish that when we're talking about marijuana reform, that we definitely leave the decriminalization. And the point that you made about like the lit joint and if you're smoking and also how like the just unnecessary interactions that you would have with the police as a black and brown person, let's say compared to if you're in Harlem with the lit joint, compared to if you're the Upper West Side with the lit joint. And, you know, if they're going to just tell you to put it out. And now if you're in Harlem, they're going to, you know, arrest you and those sort of like interactions. Like we really need to work on decriminalizing marijuana. Absolutely. On that note, we do need to take a quick break, but don't go anywhere. We will continue this conversation right after the break. And we are, don't we all, yes. um, we are back. This is Let Your Voice Be Heard right here on WHCR 90.3 FM, the voice of Harlem. Uh, shout out to everyone who is watching us via Instagram Live, those who are watching via Facebook Live, and those who are listening to our podcast. We appreciate you all. We're talking cannabis. And, you know, one of the things Tiffany said before we went on break, uh, she said her mom refers to it as Rifa. Mm-hmm. We as millennials and progressive, we usually call it cannabis. But I think a a large scale of people still call it marijuana reform. And if we're going to talk about true progress and moving forward on it, uh, maybe we shouldn't.
shouldn't be using the term marijuana. I mean, you know, Alyssa brings up the point pretty often uh, that the term marijuana is actually problematic. How many of us knew that? It wasn't until recently that I uh, realized myself that the history of marijuana is tied to uh, a racial slur against Mexican people. And I wanted to give uh, time to talk about why she does not use the word marijuana. Right. I mean, so look, I, I mentioned earlier when I talked about the reasons in which um, marijuana actually used to be spelled with an H. And if you look at it in like British vernacular, it's still spelled with an H. Uh, but the reason why we spelled it with a J here is because the federal government wanted to link it to brown people and use it as a scare tactic to say brown people are coming from Mexico with marijuana, you know? And <laughs> is like, that how they said it? No, I mean, yeah, marijuana. that's basically what they were trying to imply by wow. putting the J in it, you know? And like, so I, and it's hard because we've been calling it marijuana for so long. I mean, obviously I've interchangeably used that phrase throughout this show. Um, but really at the end of the day, this is a plant. And in, if you know anything about botany, which is a study of plants, this plant has an actual name, which is cannabis sativa or cannabis indica. And there's been a big push to get away from this racially charged word of marijuana and to start actually referring to this plant as what it should be called, because that is in fact what the name of this plant is. Um, and so I've been really trying hard to call it cannabis. Um, and, you know, if you don't want to call it cannabis, there's a million other things that you can call it. You can call it pot. You can call it weed. You could call it reefer. Um, you know, like, although reefer sort of is a little borderline on whether or not there's problematic issues there. But there's just like so many things there that we can call it that are not problematic. So like if I had to make a list, I would say things you don't want to call it. You don't want to call it dope. You probably don't want to call it reefer. And it's probably not a good idea to call it marijuana. You should Call it cannabis or weed or pot um, or plant or smoke or leaf or tree or something like that. There's a lot of options. Speaking of calling, if you want to call us up and let us know your thoughts, the number is 212-650-6903. Let us know what you think about this uh, conversation we're having on cannabis. I mean, uh, Tiffany, like, do you are you someone who is, uh, you know, really strict on you know, terms and language, because I know a lot of us in the progressive movement, we are. Mm -hmm. So I feel like I was today years old when I learned about the marijuana and why we shouldn't call it that. So now I'm definitely not going to call it that. But when it comes to me and how we talk about at first I was like there was a lot of pushback on it because I felt like it was it was almost like we were gentrifying you know a term like weed or refer whatever case may be, which I am going to look up why we should not be saying that as well and I feel like it was making it okay and safe for white people because they wanted to get into this industry and all the racial undertones that is attached with like you know black and brown people when they use um, um, weed and things of that nature. So I can understand why we need to change the way we talk about it. So I rather would just uh, say cannabis because that is you know the scientific <laughs> uh, name of the plant. So I can I can get along with that. And I do understand why we need to change the narrative, but I want to make sure that we're we're changing the narrative and also understanding that how when we were using other words like marijuana and reefer, how those negative undertones were being attached to different demographics and groups. You know, Tiffany, that's a great point because it does seem like, you know, cannabis is like the scientific term, but it mm -hmm. also feels like you said, the gentrified term. Like, mm -hmm. that's what I hear a, a lot of my white progressive ally friends using when they refer to it, uh, and maybe I've adopted that same language. But let's, I'm the same person. Honestly, I'm going to call it marijuana if need be. I like, And I understand the problematic history of it, uh, and, and I'm, I'm happy that we're educated 
educating folks and Alyssa, you know, constantly brings that up. But I'm 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 not gonna lie. Like I'm someone who's probably gonna continue to use it uh moving forward because I feel like the real focus here is uh making sure that the black and brown communities, the disenfranchised folks that were most harmed by prohibition and these laws on the books, those these are the people and this is the focus, this is the energy that I think that we need to be putting towards um the movement. Yes, we made some progress, but we have a lot more to do that needs to be done and i think that if we come together and we unify uh you know one step at a time folks when i, I think just keep it one step at a time uh just for practical reasoning yeah i mean look I, i'll say i i agree and disagree with you in some ways which is this i think that it's more important that we actually change the laws and have racial equity than it is that we change the way that we talk about the laws if we're only going to be able to do one thing um you know i it's like if we're going to change the law but still call it marijuana then that's the better option. However, I do think that when we're on the other hand, I think that by continuing to call it with racially charged words, that makes it less likely for actually us to change the laws because we continue to use words that demonize communities. And when we demonize communities, it makes it harder to actually help those communities by having racial justice. So I think those, you know, like at the end of the day, you're right. Like if we're going to change the laws, then great. That's the more important issue than what we're calling it. But at the end of the day, if it's what we're calling it is making it more difficult to change the laws then we have to adjust that as well mm-hmm. no i think i think that's fair but i will also i guess for me like when mike brown and sandra bland both died they both had their their medical records were released and they said that they had like large amounts of weed in their system i, I refer to it as weed i hope there's no <laughs> i know right no nothing <laughs> attached to that because my gosh <laughs> right. so that's what i refer to it as and you saw especially around sandra Bland, that they made it seem like she had large amounts of weed but when mm-hmm. You look at movies in Hollywood and how you see a white stoner. But it's like it's so interesting when a black person is like, you're aggressive and you you have this immediate, you know, need to steal a cop's gun and shoot them. But when you are a white person, you're high, you're just a stoner and that's all cool. So I I do think it matters. I'd say like whether we change the law, we're still, you know, using the same terms or vice versa. We have to understand, like you said, how it is demonizing communities because that works like literally it's happening at the same time Sandra Bland right. was less than five years ago and we're, we were talking about criminal um, criminal justice reform as it relates to um, um, marijuana and cannabis reform like so we see that it's happening at the same time we're talking about marijuana reform and then also saying how yeah. marijuana is this aggressive you know agent in black folks and, and even to your point the fact that when white people are you know under the influence we do say stoned I mean that, right. tone, that, that word itself sounds very passive it sounds like you know it's something that sounds very acceptable in society but you know when other folks black and brown folks use it it's something totally different uh, we do have to start wrapping up this conversation conversation so you know as we move forward when it comes to uh, marijuana reform or you know whatever it is that you want to call it what needs to be done what can how can we make amends with the black and brown people who have been disproportionately incarcerated over cannabis charges and and what else should we be doing uh politically to make sure that this legalization uh, can actually go into effect tiffany um I think what we need to be doing politically is definitely leading with the notion that we are talking about de-escalation and make sure we're getting rid of of charges from people that have been impacted by the criminal justice system, by the criminal justice system as it relates to uh, marijuana. Um, I would say that Elizabeth Warren, she was also a part of this bill and it was 
I'm low-key a little Elizabeth Warren's fan. So for me, I guess it's just like, you know, this bill, like I said, is going to be great for, you know, corporations. But if we want to be honest and we're talking about how everyone, the black and brown communities are being hurt because that's in everyone's talking points. And the fact that even, you know, Trump thinks he's on board with this and this is looked at as like a bipartisan thing, then if it's going to be a bipartisan thing, we need to be real and understand that we need to first lead with decriminalization of this plan and then look at, you know, the financial and economic benefits. Absolutely. I mean, look, the first thing that I'll say is this. If this bill does actually pass, we shouldn't be giving Donald Trump a pass as if he's done anything for racial justice. Um, because, you know, this is a man that is still literally keeping, uh, you know, brown people who are crossing the border in what, you know, could, uh, you know, we could debate be called a concentration camp so like we shouldn't give donald trump a pat on the back because he might pass some legalization or some decriminalization at the federal level that like helps five black people um but you know doesn't you know other than that helps mostly white corporate you know white people and and the corporations and the white people that own those corporations um but as to actually what we can be doing i absolutely think that when marijuana we need to be advocating for marijuana to be decriminalized and then uh, potentially legalized at the state level we need to make sure that those bills that are being passed do have a racial justice component. We need to be having a, uh, you know, expungement of marijuana records at the state level. We need to let people who are currently serving prison sentences for marijuana possession out of jail and we need to expunge their records. We need to make sure there are subsidies to allow black and brown people to enter and women to enter the marijuana market when it is being sold legally. We need to make sure it's not being overtaxed. Um, and in, you know, in terms of what we can actually do, stay informed, um, spread the words and letters to your representatives. Representatives, um, publish, you know, uh, write letters to editors of local newspapers, talk to your friends, um, join groups like Marijuana Policy Project, the Drug Policy Alliance, um, and other groups that are doing the work on this. Um, and, you know, just uh, keep talking about it um, because the more we talk about it and the more we talk about the importance of racial justice aspect of it, the more likely it is that it's going to happen. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, and to the point that Alyssa just made, Illinois, they recently passed legislation that took major steps towards repairing the harms uh, the war on drugs has had on black and brown communities and they're providing funding for people of color to benefit from the legal cannabis industry. Those incentives are really important. California and, and I think Oakland, um, they've also been doing that same type of work, realizing that the people who are going to become disproportionately rich are going to be white people white women and white men it's both it's black and brown folks who have been uh, suffering uh, black and brown women when you talk about women i'm specifically talking about black and brown women um i just wanted to say thank you everyone who time chimed in into the discussion today we appreciate you guys for listening and continuing to have these conversations and remember by supporting us on patreon.com you will that support goes a long way and it would allow us to support the issues and the causes that you care about so please support us on patreon.com slash be heard radio on that note we'll see you again next sunday sisters the babies as well we killing our brothers they poison the well distort self-image we settled the fair i'm gonna make sure that the real gonna prevail